Hello and welcome to episode 117 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob, and we have a good week of Blue Jay baseball to talk about this week. Yep, uh, ending off April on a strong note, heading into May on a strong note. Pretty good week for Blue Jays baseball. It's very exciting. Yeah, for sure. And the Blue Jays only lost one game this week. They got Springer back. They got Teoscar Hernandez back. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had his three home run game. Springer had a two home run game. Alejandro Kirk had a two home run game. And we got a few good pitching performances sprinkled in between there. Jacob, how are you? Well, you know what? It's a, it's a gloomy day out here in the greater Toronto area, but the Blue Jays are the, the sun we need right now. We're seeing a lot of individual performances finally finally start to add up to team performances and it's a really exciting time you know we said this is where the Blue Jays needed to be at the end of April they're finally at the end of April over 500 and they couldn't be at a better spot with those reinforcements yeah sweeping the Braves they've now won three games in a row which is the first time they've won three in a row all season which just goes to show kind of how rough the first month was but now heading into May hopefully things can turn around um I guess the first question is the Blue Jays have kind of turned things around, but they still have injuries. So George Springer came out of yesterday's game with fatigue. Um, Alejandro Kirk hitting the injured list. Anthony Castro, Tommy Malone, both hitting the injured list. Are the Blue Jays really rounding a corner? Like, can we expect them to have a really good month of May? Or do we think this is just, you know, they're stringing a couple good games together and they'll go back to being what they were um, throughout the month of April? Like, is this performance that we saw this past weekend, is it for real? I think it's for real because, hear me out, I think the big issue with the team was its offense earlier on. You know, we saw Teoscar Hernandez was out, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was struggling, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was doing all right, but the majority of the struggles were on the offensive side. Now, that doesn't mean that with an, with an injured bullpen and now an injured rotation that it's sustainable, but I think knowing that knowing what we know and how the Blue Jays, they've been getting by relying on their pitching and now they're getting offensive pieces back with the offense starting to look better. I think we can say that this team is for real. Now, I, I think we do need to hope and pray that the rotation injuries are starting to get better. Obviously, we saw Ross Stripling back yesterday. Hanjin Ryu hopefully is slated to start the final game in Oakland. Nate Pearson might be coming back soon. So we're going to need a lot of those to happen and a lot of those guys to come back. But I would say... Because the, the part of the Blue Jays that was struggling is getting a lot better. Yes, they're still the part of the team that was doing well is still kind of just getting by. But I think knowing that the te- the part of the team that really needed those reinforcements has now gotten those reinforcements. And when you look at the guys that were struggling, I got a few notes here of some guys that are having really good weeks for the Blue Jays. I think the team is for real and they're, they're starting to turn a new leaf and say, hey, we were, what was it? two games over 500 or at 500 at the end of April, at the beginning of May. Now I think it's time to run with it. They got their guys back and it's time for them, I think, to really make a dent in this AL East, especially with a lot of other teams struggling. And it's it's been a weird season so far for the AL East, but I think the Blue Jays do have the guys back that they needed to get back. And I think they're for real now. Yeah, being around 500 by the end of May was the worst case scenario. Or I'm sorry, by the end of April, uh, the worst case scenario heading into May. And by the looks of it, the Jays are now two games over, like you mentioned, Jacob. And, you know, this was a for real weekend, in my opinion. It was the first time we saw a healthy lineup. First of all, you had George Springer, and first of all, an eventful couple games from we know the couple home runs that he hit a few days ago and the second one 470 feet was massive and it was one of the reasons why the Blue Jays ended up winning that game and uh, it's exciting for that to happen because that's the man that we obviously paid this offseason and that's the guy that the Jays were after all year so hopefully the slander of calling George Springer a waste of money was quickly short-lived because that's also ridiculous. But second of all, uh, Teoscar Hernandez comes back from COVID or from the COVID IL and thank God that him and his family are okay because it was or he pretty much revealed that him, his wife, and one of his children also had it. So his whole household or family had it. So it's good news that he's back and contributing to the Blue Jays lineup. So you have the full lineup now for the first time this season and it took a month, uh, but it's okay, better late than never. And now you're a month in, Two games over 500, and this is the time to make the push, like you mentioned, Jacob. So uh, I, I think this was a uh, a legit weekend, and a for real weekend, sorry. And even for the pitching, it could have probably gone a lot better just because of the injuries that we know have are occurring still uh, for the starting pitching. Now the Jays are finally back to a three-man rotation. Before that, it was a two-man rotation with bullpen days, and that's a little bit concerning 
from me because we all know that eventually, as much as this bullpen's been really good, it's going to run out of gas eventually if this keeps up. And the Jays know that. Mar- Mar- Charlie Montoyo knows that. Pete Walker knows that. So reinforcements slowly coming back with Ross Stripling back. And Hunjin Ryu, Jacob, again, you mentioned May 6th is the target date for him to return. And if not, maybe sometime next weekend in Houston, I guess you can, can't can rule that out. So hopefully within the road trip, you see him come back. If that happens, then you're back to a four-man rotation. And of course, there's Nate Pearson and other guys lingering uh, around AAA, or now especially AAA since they're slated to start this week. That could potentially be uh, coming back soon. So for the Jays rotation, reinforcements are on the way slowly and slowly. But even with a full pitching staff this weekend, it definitely could have gotten better. So that's where I look at it and kind of cancel it out with the fact that they finally have a full lineup and realize that this team was for real this weekend. And it, it is going to be a scary team when this clicks. All season long, we've been talking about the strug- or the, them struggling with runners in scoring position, them struggling overall. This past seven days for the offense has been very, op- like very, very exciting. And it gives us a lot of optimism as we head into May because a lot of performances, individual performances, and the team itself, the team numbers are um, skyrocketing in terms of offense. And this is the offense that we all predicted in the offense that we were all waiting to see happen and I guess it in this case it took for it took a full lineup uh for it to get going so you have George Springer back now hopefully he stays healthy I know a little bit of a scare yesterday where he left uh, with fatigue so I guess that could be better than I guess him re-aggravating his quad so that was kind of a little bit of a sigh of relief and then uh, again with Teoscar Hernandez and a lot of individual guys starting to get going um you know Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is a guy that comes to mind you know other than him there's been guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, who have been carrying the team and are still hitting well, which is good to see. But people like uh, Alejandro Kirk was another one who started to hit well, but unfortunately he was sidelined with the hip flexor strain, so that's a little bit disappointing. And now the Jays are going to be have to or have to rely on Danny Jansen. But either way, someone who or again was Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who was definitely a highlight this week for me, and for someone who started off struggling and so when you're starting to heat up. So you're having a lot of guys who are already hot from the beginning continue to stay hot, and now the guys that started off slow are starting to heat up. So this lineup, in other words, is coming in full circle, and it's starting to come together, which is really good to see. I think I'll just mention here, sorry, just because we're talking about Gurriel. Previously, he was hitting under 100, under 200, actually, going into the week, and we last recorded, I believe it was on Sunday. Since then, he's gone 6 for 20 with two home runs, which is good for 300 over the week. So now his average is up at 226. So I just wanted to put that out there. I had that that uh, slated for later, but we've been talking about him. And he's a guy, you know, I think we got to give credit where credit's due. Gurriel was struggling mightily earlier on in the season. And maybe it's the presence of George Springer. Maybe it's a full lineup that's motivation for him. But I, whatever it is, it's working. And he's a welcome addition to this lineup. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I don't know how much of the newfound success of the Blue Jays offense is really these guys making like individual adjustments, like maybe Lourdes Gurriel Jr. altering his swing a bit, altering his approach. We heard Danny Jansen, Ben Wagner was talking about on the broadcast that he was taking practice cuts in a sim game and felt something good and had um, Andrew Tinnish, the assistant GM, take a video of him so he'd remember what he's doing and bring it into a game. And obviously it worked because he got his first two hits since I think it was April 7th or 8th and he broke that 0 for 35 streak which was the tied for the longest hitless streak in franchise history so but I, I don't know how much of this is actually hitters making adjustments or if it's just the fact that the lineup's deeper because instead of you know people pitching around flatty to get to I don't know Grishik or Guriel or Biggio who whoever's hitting fourth now they have to pitch to that flatty to some extent because they have Teoscar Hernandez after him so I think it's just kind of a ripple effect and it doesn't matter whether you're actually hitting or not. Just having those extra guys in the lineup makes it so much deeper and so much harder for pitchers to navigate it. And I think that's the main reason we're seeing so many guys all of a sudden clicking. Even like Marcus Simeon. He was in a little bit of a rough stretch. Yesterday he came out, had a home run, a double. Like These guys who weren't doing very well, all of a sudden, with a snap of a finger, we're seeing them have this crazy performance. And I think it's because just because the lineup is so much deeper. And that's really the godsend that George Springer, um, Teoscar Hernandez are, even if they're not hitting themselves, which of course they are, but it just makes the lineup so much deeper. Absolutely it is. And Jacob, you were mentioning batting average as well. And I want to look at OPS as well, just because of the runners on base was something that this team was lacking. And all of a sudden now they're producing, like Mark said, it just took a snap of the fingers. And uh, it's really good to see. And it's exciting to see. 
And maybe it was just, I guess, more people, less pressure. I don't know what it was. But either way, this lineup on paper is deep. And based on production, it's also deep. So people like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., all OPSs this week, over 1,000. And I know Bo Bichette, or sorry, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has had an OPS over 1,000 all year, and he's sustaining it. So him, Bo, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., all OPSs over 1,000. And um, it's just... It's it's amazing to see, and even uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. still leading, or now it's Bo Bichette actually, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. tied on the team with seven home runs each, and Bo Bichette hitting a lot more home runs than usual, or from what I remember from last year. So the power in his game is definitely there. The numbers are on the rise, and as a team, the Jays are now second in the league in offense over the past seven days. In total, it's fourth in the league. Crazy how that it's that high. After the month of April that we had, all of a sudden this team in the top five now in terms of offense. So finally, we're getting the offense that we know was coming and the offense that we were expecting, which is why this is not a fluke. This is legit. This is for real. And it's ha- it, I'm very excited and it's very exciting to see that this is happening. And now the Jays get to go on a road trip. They start off in Oakland tonight on Monday, uh, May 3rd. And uh, it's it's an I think it's a nine or 10 game road trip. So hopefully the bats... Made the trip with them uh, out west. So, you know, it's O.co Coliseum. I know it's going to be interesting, but Marcus Semyon returns to Oakland as well. Either way, you hope that the Bats made the trip and they continue to produce. Can I just say real quick on the topic of Bo Bichette, I'm going uh, to be a little overdramatic here. He's on pace for 43.6 home runs this season. Seven home runs in 26 games. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but I'm just saying Bo Bichette's a fantastic hitter and he's been he's been performing well all season long despite the defensive struggles. He's he's still been very good at the plate for the Blue Jays. But now, the last 7 days defensively, has he not looked more comfortable? Only one error actually. I was going to yeah. mention that his defense has looked a lot better. Optimism. Yeah, he is still making mistakes though. He is, he is. I don't know. I'm not totally I'm not totally buying into it. I know Buck Martinez and Pat Tapler were laughing at people who were saying, move him to second base on the broadcast, but I'm not still totally buying into it. I'm not sure if he's still the Blue Jays' long-term shortstop, but we talked about that last week, and I don't know if it was on the podcast last week or in one of our live streams, but I know I said May 1st, I'll start taking this team seriously because they don't have Gurria, or they don't have... Um, George Springer, they don't have Teoscar Hernandez. As soon as that hits, as soon as they get those guys back, May 1st, I'll start taking this offense seriously. I'll start being critical of it. And I hate to say I told you so, but here we are. May 1st, pretty much, April 30th, was when the team started winning. And it's I, I just hope it continues, and I think it will. I think the offensive production will continue. The only concerns I have are the bullpen. And, you know, so far, they haven't given us reason to be concerned. I'm just concerned about the workload and the usage because, you know, even in yesterday's game when you you have a guy like Ross Stripling come out and, you know, be a lot better, I think, than a lot of people expected. 4.2 innings, um, only two earned runs, and those runs coming in the last inning only walked one guy, and that was in the last inning when he was tired. Um, I think it was a lot better than people expected, but even so, you had to have the bullpen come out and get four innings. You had to rely on guys like Ryan Barucki, on guys like Rafael Dolis. So that's the one concern I have. I'm not sure how sustainable this performance by the bullpen is, given that you're relying on them for four or five innings each game, especially with the continued injuries to Ryu, um, even though we should see him back at the end of the Oakland series. So that's the one concern I have with whether the Blue Jays can keep winning like this, but I don't think it's a long-term problem because I think they'll get some pitching reinforcements back, like you mentioned, Bryson. Nate Pearson probably coming back soon, which is amazing. And then Ryu, of course, at the end of this series. Absolutely. And, um, you know, either way, this week alone for the pitching, I guess, wasn't the greatest by the numbers. So I hope it's not starting to catch up to them. I don't think it is. I know it was just a few bad innings in terms of even someone like Ryan Barucki, who had just one rough inning and it kind of ruined, I guess, overall his stats this week. But either way, two guys I want to highlight are Jordan Romano and Rafael Dolis. And Jordan Romano continues to look more comfortable, which is very good to see. And it's very, and it, that's another sigh of relief because you need Jordan Romano in this bullpen. His ERA down to 270. Uh, 150 or sorry yeah 150 whip 0.33 whip this past week so there you go in terms of allowing base runners per inning and Rafael Dolis as well his ERA continues to drop as well which is uh, a good sign it's at 284 now so the team as well 
still top five, still top within the top 10 in terms of MLB ERA or sorry, team ERA and then reliever ERA. So that's just my concern because of how good it's been so far. And I don't know if, if we get to a point where it starts to burn out because it's impossible to predict, but based on the current pace, it's definitely going to happen if this doesn't, if it doesn't change. And that's why these relievers or sorry, these pitchers coming back in terms of Ryu or like a Nate Pearson is very important for this team. Not only just to say you have five guys starting, but to take the workload off of this bullpen, because right now they are definitely carrying the pitching on this team. But how, how sustainable is it if they're, if they're all pitching every day? I don't know. But either way, optimism from the rotation would be definitely someone like Robbie Ray. Another fantastic start this past week. His last start, his fastball was completely uh, on point and it was moving and everything about it was awesome. Another start where he didn't walk anybody. He went six and two thirds, five hits, two runs, two earned runs, zero walks and five strikeouts. And that was his last start against Atlanta this week. So, And those two earned runs kind of... I, I wouldn't say it doesn't reflect his overall start as well. I, I know he kind of ran out of gas at the end, but either way, a very successful start. And he's somebody that right now, I guess, is kind of carrying the bulk of this rotation. And then Steven Matz, he went through his bad or his first bad start of the year, and he is the one starting tonight in Oakland. So potential bounce back start. I'm um, I'm very I, I like the chances that of that happening, but for Steven Matz, we didn't really know how sustainable it was going to be. So that's why someone like Robbie Ray pitching like he is now is very important. And then Ross Stripling, he's back. Um, you don't know what you're gonna you're not gonna get an insane amount of numbers from him or in, in terms of performance, but uh, you know he's still gonna hold his ground in this rotation. So I'm I'm happy with the reinforcements coming back for sure. I do want to say though, like even Stephen Matz starts, even though he didn't do well his last time out I'm not reading anything into it because a he got squeezed a little bit by the umpires and b like there wasn't really any hard contact off of him it seemed like everything was just bloops into the outfield it just wasn't finding a glove so I think that was more bad luck than anything else so I'm hoping we see him come back tonight um, and do well against Oakland well, yeah, and the Nationals have had Steven Matz's numbers in his career. I think it was going into mm-hmm. that start, it was a, about a 550 ERA. I can only imagine it's around six or seven now. So I think that was just one bad start for him. Uh, but tonight is a perfect opportunity. Oakland's a fantastic team. They're 17 and 12. This is the, the opportunity for you, especially for Marcus Simeon, going into his a bit of a reunion there to show the Oakland A's you know, who's, who's really running the American League here. So I think... Th- the starting pitching has been good. I do hope and pray that these starting pitchers are able to go deeper into games because you guys mentioned guys are coming back. I'm not sure how deep Charlie Montoyo is going to let Nate Pearson go into a game. I'm hoping they can get him up to six or seven innings. I'm not sure, maybe around five, five and a third or something. But they're going to need to get the guys that they're getting back. They're also going to need to have them throw length and give them length into a game because I think with the bullpen we saw this last year it's going to burn out I'm predicting it if the starting pitching does not go deeper into games the bullpen is going to burn out probably by June because last year was uh, you know we keep mentioning this last year was only a third of uh, of a full 162 game season and it was still burning out by the end of it so we're going to need to see guys throw quality innings and Robbie Ray again six and two thirds he was he was really good uh, we're going to need to see Ryu throw some some innings uh, when he comes back. Hopefully, I think it's slated for April 6th or May May the 6th, rather. So th- the guys that they're getting back, I am hopeful, but I'm also really hoping that these guys throw quality and a quantity of innings because, again, the bullpen, it's been great. It's not sustainable, but I trust that eventually as guys start to settle back into the rotation and Nate Pearson, I believe, is starting, he's opening up the season for the Bison. So hopefully there's a... A couple of innings, you know, maybe four to six innings if they can get them up to that. So, yeah, the Blue Jays, they're going to need to really stretch these starters out because they need them. I, bullpen days are, they work when they work, but there's only so many times that you can have your bullpen take over nine innings. And the Blue Jays, they're really going to need to work on getting these guys into the games longer so that they can almost, almost if you want to call it load management, they can prepare for potentially an extended playoff run because... The last thing you want is to have a good bullpen in April and May, and then it struggles in, I don't know, September, October, because it's just been it's been used way too much. Extended playoff run. <laughs> I love the I'm sound praying. of that. And yeah, just to put it into context, the Blue Jays are one of six teams um, in the majors with a um, higher than 
average um, runs scored per game and a lower than average runs allowed per game. So they're in the, you know, if you picture a graph, they're in the quadrant of teams that have higher, better than average scoring and better than average pitching so far this season. The five other teams are the Cardinals, the Red Sox, the Astros, the Dodgers, and the White Sox. So that's pretty good company, um, you know, to be in the same area as the Dodgers in terms of better than average on both sides of the ball. That's a good thing, so hopefully the Blue Jays can keep it going. Um, on the topic of reinforcements, Nate Pearson, do you guys? when do you guys think he's going to be back? You know, Jacob, you mentioned he's starting the season opener for the AAA Buffalo Bisons, which I believe is coming over the next few days. Um, I think he might get another start for Buffalo after that. If you picture maybe the first start, he goes three, four innings. The second start, they start to stretch him out into five, six. That's the point that I think he might get called up. So I think it we might be about a week away, a week and a half away from him getting called up to the Blue Jays. But I think it's pretty close. I think by May 15th, we'll see him on the team. Yeah, so actually, I just want to say Nate Pearson is actually starting tomorrow on Tuesday against okay. the Worcester team. So, you know what I'm going to say? Wooster. Oh, oh. It's Wooster. You know what? I'm I live about to... <laughs> an hour from there, so it's Wooster. <laughs> I'm used to saying, what's that sauce? Like Worcestershire Worcestershire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think, yeah, Nate Pearson, I'm going to say he makes one start with the Bisons tomorrow, maybe makes another one, most likely makes another one, and then comes up to the team. Because I don't think that, it, say he doesn't, he only makes one start. Maybe you argue that you use him as an opener for a start, and then you say, "Okay, you've you know you've you've opened. Now you're going to be a full starter." I don't think that that's the option. I think the plan for Nate Pearson is always to be a full stereotypical five six inning starting pitcher. So I'm going to say he does two starts and then he comes back. For Nate Pearson, uh, we yes, he is starting tomorrow night for the uh, the Bisons, and then actually yesterday as well he was um he recently pitched in a sim game in Dunedin and he hit 100 miles per hour striking out five of of the eight outs he recorded and he starts tomorrow night and the Bisons are also using a traditional five-man rotation so maybe he gets one start or two and then potentially he could be back by I think May 15th safe to say maybe even a little bit before I wouldn't be surprised but I got a feeling that he's going to make two starts in buff or with the Bisons I don't know if he's if, if it's just going to be one maybe it also depends on his performance but either way, um, I think they're going to start easing it back in. And Jacob, you were mentioning it, how they're going to be very cautious with his return. And that's also part of the reason why he's starting in Buffalo. Or, sorry, with the Bisons. It's hard to say that because they're not actually in Buffalo. But um, either way, they're easing it back in. And that's definitely part of the reason why they assigned him to AAA to, to do this and get this over with. And, um, you know... Hopefully it isn't too long because they do need him and they, they need they need to get back to a five man rotation who can or who can potentially pitch deep in the games for the reason let alone of the bullpen being overused. So that's why I think around two starts, potentially May fifteenth or a little bit before I think we see Nate Pearson back, barring any setbacks or anything like that. Yeah. And also in the starting rotation for the Bisons to start the season is TJ Zoik returning from an injury. He might get the call up soon after he makes his start. Um, another guy in the starting rotation for AAA is Alec Manoa. I know we've talked about him on the podcast before, but the possibility of him making his Major League debut this season, I think I was in the camp of if it happens, the Blue Jays are in a bad place and the earliest it's ever going to happen is as a September call-up. But I'm a bit surprised that he's starting in AAA. This is a guy who has only made a few appearances at the lowest minor league level in rookie ball, I believe. So to see him skip A, double A, and just go straight to triple A, that to me shows that he's on an accelerated development path, that he could be making his debut debut this season. And with the way injuries have gone for the Blue Jays, I think that might open a door for Manoa. I don't know if it's likely, but I think it's certainly more possible than I did at the start of the season. How likely do you guys think it is that Alec Manoa makes his Major League debut this season? I'm still sticking with 0% because he is entering his age 24 season. And as you said, he's only pitched in the low minor leagues. I still think he has a year at minimum to work things out in the minor leagues. I'm not saying that he's been bad in the minor leagues. You know, when you look at his whip, it's constantly just hovering around one or even below one. So, uh, you know, he he's a guy that I, I do think... He will be a major league starter. I'll put it that way. Not this season. Not 
even if the Blue Jays are out of a playoff race, I still think that the team, they, they can't risk the future of Alec Manoa by putting him up into the major leagues too early, even if, say, maybe the team would benefit from just getting those innings out of him. I, I still think that the plan is get him working through everything that he needs to before at, at minimum next season. I'm still saying 0%. See, if he's in AAA, I, I just have a hard time giving him 0% because he's so close to, he's one level away from the MLB. However, I still think it's unlikely, but if I had to give it a percentage, I'd probably say 30 or 35%. I don't think it's possible. I think it's possible. A lot of stuff have to happen, Mark. I agree with you. But however, if injuries pile up and, you know, for example, I know this is crazy based on the amount of injuries they've had, but if this somehow lingers and the Jays are desperate or in need of or desperate need of arms or anything like that, and maybe the bullpen burns out and they need options. You have to consider it. You have to. And I but and this is talking about later on in the season because of course you want to see him pitch games in Triple A before you even consider it. So you know the Bisons right now, like I mentioned, are using a five man rotation. You have Nick Algier, Algier. I think that's how you pronounce it correctly. Alec Manoa, T.J. Zoic, who we've seen this year a few times. And Jacob Waggis back. So he those that's the five-man rotation open up for the Bisons. But Alec Manoa, you got to give him starts or a lot a few starts before you even consider it. But I'm a little bit surprised too because I thought, so, like for example, Simeon Woods Richardson starting in double-A for New Hampshire. And I thought for sure those two would both be in double-A. I guess we were all wrong. But I guess that just proves the spring that Alec Manoa had. The Jays really liked what they saw. And you have to consider this an acceleration of, of his development. He's skipping all those levels and starting right off in AAA. I know he was the first-round draft pick uh, from last year or a couple years beforehand. But I guess the Jays really like what they've seen. And I'm all for it. I, I trust the development plan of how Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have done things based on their track records going back to Cleveland and so far in Toronto with, for example, Bo Bichette, Guerrero, Bijou, all these guys. Look how, how they've developed and properly developed. I'm all for whatever they decide because of how it's turned out. But if he's in AAA, you have to give it a percentage that he will be up here at some point. I'm not saying it's likely, but 30 35%, a lot of stuff have to happen. If the Jays are in a bad spot, I'm sure it's possible, Mark. I agree with that 100%. However, with the team with all these expectations, I have a hard time believing that's the case. So for me, if he comes up, a lot of stuff have to happen where the bullpen's burnt out, the Jays need arms, there's more injuries, but God forbid that any of that happens. And if none of that happens, then I still think you won't see him this year. But you have to consider it if he's starting a Triple uh, A. Yeah, like, like mentally to me, it just doesn't make sense. Like, you still look at his numbers. He has 17 professional innings, six professional starts at Low A Vancouver, and that's it. Like that was 2019. Of course, misses 2020, but still develops somewhat at the alternate training site last year with the Blue Jays working with him. But still, it's like, to me, I I didn't expect him to make it to AAA to start the season, and that kind of blows me away. I thought Simeon Woods-Richardson was ahead of him in development, but I guess not. I guess he really did kind of blow the Blue Jays away in spring training and last year. So, again, I consciously, I don't think it's going to happen, but you look at the facts, he's in AAA, like you said, he's one step away from the majors. And the way things are going right now, it seems like the Blue Jays need pitching and they're willing to cycle through whoever they have in the minors on the 40-man roster to get those innings. Um, you know, we see them, seems like every other day, making a move to send a reliever down or bring a spot starter up. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him come up, say, in August or September just to, you know, make a few starts, um, eat some innings for the Blue Jays, and maybe impress some people along the way. But I don't know. I, my mind is totally changed on this. I know at the start of the season when we were talking about it before, I was at 0%. If I could go any lower than 0% for him making the majors this season, I would have. But now I think I think I'm a little lower than you, Bryson. I think I'd put it probably at 20 or 25%, but it's still a lot more likely than it was at the start of the season. I'm not sure. I think I think it depends on the team. I know I said 0%. I, part of me wants to stick with that just because I do expect the team to potentially be in a playoff or even a pennant race by that time. So it's just part of me really doesn't know if the Blue Jays are if the Blue Jays need to win every single game come the end of the season. Not saying that Alec Manoa couldn't do that for them or give them a win, but I think that it, it makes more sense to maybe ease him into games where 
maybe spring training, the games, you know, they really don't matter. At the end of the day, you could have a 300 ERA in spring training and nobody cares. You know, like, I, I think with with Alec Manoa, I, I think it really just does depend. If the Blue Jays are doing well, I'm still saying it's zero. If they're not doing well, part of me still wants to say they'll at least give him the, the rest of the year to work things out, give him the off season, and then give him spring training. I think he's coming up next season, I'll say that, if he does well in AAA, but I still, I'm not sure if this season is is the right move for him yet. Yeah, I get it with the spring training numbers where it could be very, like, it's just, not a lot of people take it seriously, but if the Jays are moving him right to AAA, they saw something, and they, all for it. I'm just saying, even in this scenario, and Mark, I agree, I, if he comes up, it'll be late summer, early fall of September, if the Jays, let's just say, even if they're in a better spot, they've clinched a playoff spot, so-and-so, and Jacob, you mentioned it earlier, load management. If they want to give Hunjin Ryu an extra day off, maybe use a six-man rotation for like two days, he could be an option. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying he'd go on a playoff roster, but he can definitely get some starts in. And that, that's why I'm thinking if this happens, it'll be later in the summer If the and if the Jays need it. If they're in desperate of arms or if they want to give guys extra days off, even someone like Robbie Ray, I don't know. I'm just throwing out names. But in that case or situation where they want to give their starters a rest because maybe by that time the starters are eating innings, we have to, we have to assume this, the rotation will get healthy and start to pitch a lot better, right? So that's why there's a possible scenario for it. But yeah, it's just, the, Mark, I'm with you. Like it completely changed my opinion and thought process that him starting right in AAA in terms of how close he would be for making his debut because I'm with you. I thought him and Simeon Woods-Richardson both in AA and I thought it'd be Woods-Richardson we'd see first. And those both of those guys are candidates, I think, for next year and I think that's safe to say. I think Woods-Richardson could potentially be at AAA at some point this season as well. You never know, but either way, it's definitely more possible than it was a few, I guess, weeks ago before we found out about the news. So who knows what happens, but he's definitely close. He's only one level away, so... All right, well, we'll turn now to talk about injuries. Um, the Blue Jays had, as is expected now, it's kind of the default for this season, but they had a lot of injuries this week, and it's especially disappointing because it comes to Alejandro Kirk, who's been incredible. I mean, he was just heating up two home runs in a game this week. So Kirk is out on the 10-day injured list. Anthony Castro also hits the 10-day injured list, and Tommy Malone heading to the 10-day injured list as well. All three of them out with injuries. Hopefully not significant. Hopefully they can come back soon. As a result, the Blue Jays call up Riley Adams to take the second catcher spot on the roster. Of course, they're going to be relying more on Danny Jansen now. They also call up Anthony Kay and activate Ross Stripling off the injured list, which of course we talked about earlier with his start yesterday in the series finale against the Braves. Um, let's talk first about Alejandro Kirk, because like I said, he was someone who was heating up. It's disappointing to see him on the injured list. Hopefully Danny Jansen can become more uh, than what he has been offensively. He doesn't stay being an offensive black hole. Hopefully that changes. We saw him get a walk, two hits in yesterday's game, maybe heating up a little bit. Um, does it hurt the team a lot? I, I, I think it does. I think Danny Jansen doesn't really, even if at his best offensively, I think he's a 200 hitter. So I think Alejandro Kirk's, uh, you know, the fact that he's missing from the lineup hurts the Blue Jays a lot. Um, it also hurts the depth of the lineup. We were talking about the depth with adding George Springer, adding Teoscar Hernandez, and removing Alejandro Kirk from like even if it's the eighth or ninth spot, in the ninth spot, he hit two home runs in Friday's game. So removing that depth from the lineup, I think hurts the Blue Jays a lot more than just Kirk's offensive production by itself. It kind of has ripple effects on the lineup. Yeah, I'm just going to say, first of all, I don't know how Alejandro Kirk hit a 3-0 home run. I, I'm not really somebody that welcomes the green light even to anybody, but I just thought I'd say that. Congrats to him. That was awesome. Uh, but yeah, I think the lineup, it is definitely not as deep. And, you know, we talk about with Springer coming back, one through nine, I think this lineup, there's nobody that you can pitch around because the next guy behind him or even that guy, they could take you deep. And with Danny Jansen, he was taking a bit of a step back and then Alejandro Kirk kind of took over. He was starting, I think it what was it, two straight games and then he was injured. So it does hurt the depth. You are losing what looks to be a power hitter in your lineup. 
But I think as, as long as Danny Jansen is able to get by, as you said, maybe hitting 200 at the bottom of your lineup, I think it's okay for the time being until Kirk comes back. And even when Kirk is back, I still do think we'll see a fair bit of Danny Jansen. So thankfully, he ended his 0 for 35, as we talked about a couple of we- a couple of minutes ago. He ended it with a 2 for 3 day with a walk against Atlanta. He also had an RBI single, which I believe was his first hit. Another weird thing I found is the Braves were shifting Danny Jansen for some odd reason. Like, I feel like if a guy is hitting under 50, you kind of don't shift him. But I don't know. I just, uh, you know what? I'll give Danny Jansen the the hit. He he did well. and He had a good game. So I think as long as he's able to hit around the 200 level, then the Blue Jays will be fine. Because at the end of the day, he was projected to be their starting catcher and he has been their starting catcher all season primarily so as long as he can kind of bridge the way until Alejandro Kirk is back and then the Blue Jays can maybe platoon 50-50 type thing then I think they're fine Uh, the lineup is as I said a little bit not as deep without Alejandro Kirk in in there even if it is just in the nine spot but I think if Danny Jansen's able to rebound then he's not he's not a bad option. He's not the bad option that we've seen going hitless where he was constantly over every single week, every single day, really. So as long as he's able to rebound and say, I'll give you, you know, one to two hits every, every game. If he does that, first of all, that's fantastic. But if he's able to at least give the Blue Jays a hit or at least get on base, because, you know, we talk so much about putting Springer in the leadoff spot, because when the lineup turns over, he can potentially drive somebody home. So as long as Danny Jansen's able to be an active member of the lineup then i'm welcoming to it and i think the blue jays will be they'll be doing all right with him hey danny jansen multi-hit game yesterday changes the prescription in his glasses <laughs> i'm just saying he's trying everything he can and i gotta give him credit for that but yeah either way even at his best statistically he's not a very good hitter mark i think you spot on 200 hitter and that's why it does take away a little bit i guess the deepness of this lineup and jacob going back to your point about swinging on 3-0 there's a reason why he did swing on 3-0 is because if you walked him, then there's an extra man on a runner on base for George Springer. And that's why this the deepness in this lineup is scary when healthy. And Pat Tabler was the one that called it uh, his second home run of the game. He said, I got to pitch to him because I don't want to face George Springer. So there's your answer to why he swung 3-0. And the deepness of this lineup for Kirk hitting ninth. That is why it is almost like he's a secret weapon at the ninth spot because he's got the power and he hits home runs. And, you know, it's just it's horrible timing because the the week he starts to heat up is when he gets hurt. And, you know, over the past week, we mentioned it, two home runs this past week, four RBIs, an OPS over 1,600. And that's when he was just getting going. And now he goes on the injured list with the hip flexor strain. And I guess the only thing where I look at it, maybe that it's not he won't be out too long, is that the Jays went with Riley Adams because obviously he's got the option over someone like Reese McGuire. If you're going to recall someone like Reese McGuire, that probably a little bit more long term, because then, of course, then you would have to eventually deal with passing him through waivers again. So that's why I kind of have a little bit of optimism that he won't be out too long, maybe just around the 10 days or a little bit more, a little bit after that. But Riley Adams is an exciting catching prospect, too, and it'll be exciting to see him get some playing time. I don't know how much playing time you'll get. It'll obviously depend on Danny Jansen's performance. And then um, but yeah, either way, I'm Danny Jansen's going to have to step up. And uh, I think we don't, I don't, I don't know how much we're going to expect from Danny Jansen either way, but you know, him hitting 049 is obviously unacceptable. And the multi, the multi hit game yesterday that he had was definitely something to kind of be happy about. And hopefully it's something like that continues. But I, I mean, we mentioned it earlier. He just, uh, he seems happy with the way he's hitting Mark. You were mentioning it, but it just, unfortunately it hasn't been, or it hasn't been translating to actual gameplay yet. So I know that he's had some bad luck as well. He's He's been hitting the ball pretty hard in some um, situations. So that's why you kind of have a little bit of a feeling that it will get better. But either way, they need Alejandro Kirk back as soon as they can. And it's just unfortunate because of the week he was having beforehand. And even the game uh, prior to when he hit two home runs. And they were both crushed. So him in the ninth spot makes this lineup so much deeper. And that's why it's just this lineup. It is a ripple effect because now you take away that ninth spot you replace him with someone like Danny Jansen or Riley Adams, and all of a sudden you don't feel as comfortable or confident, or or confident with them getting on base for someone like George Springer. So that's why it it, it sucks in a way, but you just hope this is another short term injury where he's back right after the ten days or just after it. You don't hope he misses too much uh, or an extended period of time. I think this news is a godsend to Danny Jansen, if only yeah. because if Kirk 
doesn't get injured, I think he takes over the starting job. Like, I think that's the point that we were at. He was starting back-to-back games because you're not going to bench him after he hits two home runs. Like, that's that would be a stupid move. But he hits back-to-back games. I think at that point, he takes over the starting role. Like, he was a day away from becoming the starting catcher for the Blue Jays, and he got injured. And Jacob... J- that, Jacob predicted I that because that was our live stream <laughs> last week. He said by the weekend <laughs> mm-hmm. it'd be Alejandro Kirk, and all of a sudden that has been wiped away. Yeah. But you are right; it, w- it was on the it, right he track. He was for so time. like if he hadn't been injured, I I think Sunday like he may have started, and it would have been like Danny Jansen would have been the backup catcher from then on, just because Danny Jan- Jansen was in the over thirty five streak. Kirk was hitting the cover off the ball, so Danny Jansen gets really lucky in the fact that. He gets that start on Sunday. He has those two hits and a walk. I think he's worked, you know, with one game, he's worked himself back into the conversation. Uh, But it was really down to the wire. It was really, really close for him. So we'll see what happens. I am excited to see Riley Adams. Mm -hmm. I think best case scenario for the Blue Jays, if they can at least have a platoon type thing going on with their catchers, then that's probably the best option. Right now, I think we'll see Danny Jansen catch the majority of the games. Even without Hanjin Ryu coming back, or he, I think he actually he's coming back in a couple of days. But you know what I mean. We'll see Jansen catch the majority of the games in Oakland. Uh, but yeah, Alejandro Kirk, he was he was floating with you know getting that that everyday role from Charlie Montoyo. And if he if he hadn't have gotten injured, I as you said, I think he would have been a starter. He would have probably been starting tonight. Probably would have started most of, if not all, the games until Ryu comes back, which looks to be May sixth. So. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see Riley Adams, as you said, Bryce, and he actually does have options. So hopefully this is this is an indication that Alejandro Kirk is going to be back within the 10 days or at, at most maybe two weeks, 14 days. So I'm optimistic that he'll come back. And I think the Blue Jays have two good options for the catching spot if Danny Jansen's able to hit around 200. Yeah, now the question I have for you guys is, let's say... Obviously, if Danny Jansen doesn't perform over these 10 days, then potentially when Kirk comes back, he can take the mantle right away of being that starting catcher. But if Jansen heats up and Kirk comes back, or he will come back, obviously, how, what do you see the, do you see it going back to a 50-50 split in terms of Alejandro Kirk having to win the job back? Or do you think either way, once he comes back, he's going to be the starter? What do you think? I think if Jansen heats up, he'll be the starting catcher. I think the only reason Kirk... Yeah, even with Jansen heating up, yeah. I, I think the only reason Kirk was getting the playing time was because Jansen wasn't hitting at all. Like you mentioned, it was like, what, 042 or something like that before he got the two hits. So I think that's the only reason we saw Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk starting so much. So I think the Blue Jays really like the defense of Jansen if he can even hit a buck fifty. Or 200, he's going to be starting two-thirds of the games. I think Alejandro Kirk probably starts one game a series for the Blue Jays. I think the only reason he was starting is because Danny Jansen wasn't hitting anything. That's fair. I mean, the one thing that I will say is Alejandro Kirk kind of got lucky with that playing time, but he was hitting well. I think if even if Danny Jansen heats up, I still do think we'll see maybe a bit of a 50-50 split or maybe something like 60-40 something like that, but we'll see a little bit more of one guy, but we'll still see quite a bit of the other guy, and kind of like what the Blue Jays are doing right now with their outfielders, I mean, when George Springer goes back into center field, they're going to ride the hot hand, and they kind of have to right now, Randall Gritchick is not somebody you take out of the lineup, uh, not to get too off topic, but you know what I mean, like, they're going to, they're going to ride the hot hand, and if, obviously, if Ryu's playing, Jansen's going to play, but other than that, I think if Alejandro Kirk is hitting well, then there's no reason why you take him out of the lineup just because of Danny Jansen's defensive abilities, unless Danny Jansen is hitting better, or at least hitting hitting well enough to justify keeping him in the lineup. Speaking of finding space in the lineup for people, I want to ask you guys about Kevin Biggio, because this is something that over the weekend frustrated me. In Saturday's game, he was batting fifth, which I didn't understand at all. This is a guy who's hitting a buck 80. Why do you bat him fifth? Well, you have Randall Grishik behind him, who is, I mean, we've seen what he's done. You have Lourdes Goriel Jr. behind Grishik, who's heating up as well. You have even Joe Panic, Alejandro Kirk in the eight and nine spot. I think all those guys are better hitters than Kevin Biggio. And yet, 
they had Kevin Biggio batting fifth right after Teoscar Hernandez. You go into Sunday's game, thankfully the Blue Jays moved Biggio down to eighth right before Danny Jansen, and I think that's where he belongs. Or even swap those two. Put Jansen eight, put Biggio ninth, have him turn the lineup over. I don't want Biggio in the heart of the lineup at all. I either want him leading off or in the ninth spot, pretty much. I, I don't want him in fifth or at all. And I think the Blue Jays made that adjustment, but I was really frustrated in Saturday's game. It's funny because it eventually led to the Blue Jays winning because for some reason on a 3-1 count, the Braves decided to just walk Kevin Biggio face Randall Grishik. Grishik gets a walk-off hit, but I don't want to see Biggio in the heart of the lineup at all. I don't understand why he was hitting there. Yeah, he's actually hitless since the first game against the Nationals. So, yeah, it, it doesn't really make sense to me why you're throwing him in the heart of the lineup, like you said. I, I think Kevin Biggio, I initially thought he was going to be their leadoff hitter going back into when Springer first signed and there was the whole Springer versus Biggio debate. But I I think for now, the best option is to put, I, I hate to say this, but put the weaker hitters lower in the lineup just because why do you put... Why do you put somebody that's struggling in the fifth spot when you have somebody like Marcus Simeon who's hitting home runs, when you have, obviously, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. back, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. who's starting to heat up? Why do you put them lower? So I think, yeah, put uh, he should be lower in the lineup just until he is hitting better because the Blue Jays, they have they play Houston and Oakland this week, and those are two teams that are over 500, and you need your top guys at the top of the lineup. So I think that... With Kevin Biggio, the best option is probably keep him lower in the lineup until he kind of gets things together because it's not looked good for him. Right now, as of Monday morning, he's hitting 186 with a 301 on base percentage, which, as I said, first of all, that's not good on itself, but he's also hitless in his last four games. So he's he's going to need to rebound. And maybe, you know, as we've seen with, with Danny Jansen, maybe that kind of that wake up call saying somebody's going to take your job is is enough to say okay I'm going to I'm going to work towards getting myself better cuz we all like Kevin Biggio or at least I do I, you know I can't speak for everybody but I like Kevin Biggio I think he's a starter on this team and you know I just I want to see him work through things I want to see him get into the lineup because he is versatile he's he can play everywhere except for pitching but I mean who knows what we'll see this season um but yeah I like Kevin Biggio I think he's a starter and I just I want him to I want him to to rebound and try to get back to his his 2020 form. Yeah, uh, I said it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it as well, when Marcus Semyon was struggling off the leadoff position, and we were wondering when a lineup change was going to happen. And I think the only way Biggio stays at the top of the order is when he's leading off in situations where George Springer doesn't play. And then when George Springer's there, then Biggio should be at the bottom of the lineup only because he's more comfortable down there based off of what we've seen, he gets on base, and that's why I think it'd be a good, in terms of this lineup being very deep, it's unnecessary to put him in the five spot. It is. With all the players they have, him being at the eight spot is effective for the bottom of the order as it turns over to the top of the order with him getting on base and just him being more comfortable. So he should be bidding, or hitting near the bottom. It just, yeah, it was very bizarre for him to be hitting fifth a couple days ago. I don't, I just didn't see the point to why, especially with the lineup now being majority healthy minus Alejandro Kirk when he's in. It's just, he should, he should be seven, eight, nine. He should be, I, I don't even think he should be six because I think Marcus Samian's good at the six spot eventually, or I know he's been rotating from five and six, but seven, eight or nine would be acceptable for me for Bijou. And that's where I want to see him. And I think that's where that's, I guess the spots where he'd play best. Yeah, exactly. Um, a couple last things to mention uh, before we go. This week, of course, we all got the sad news about Roberto Alomar um, being removed from the level of excellence, being placed on the ineligible list, um, baseball's ineligible list for uh, after a Major League Baseball investigation into um, sexual misconduct allegations. So I, we don't really want to talk about this. You know, it's not our place to talk about it, this, but it's disappointing to see someone who has so much influence so much um, history with the Blue Jays to see, uh, you know, no longer be able to be part of this organization because of his own conduct. It's just, it's sad. And I don't think we're ever going to be able to think about Roberto Alomar in the same way and celebrate his achievements. But 
rightfully so. This is a workplace conduct issue. Uh, it's about creating safe workplaces, accepting workplaces, and um, uh, yeah, that's all we want to say on this. We don't really want to get into it, but um, I think we'll end it there. So thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Section 138. As always, you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts to just help spread the word about what we're doing. And you can find episodes also on YouTube. You can watch them and see all of our uh, expressions when each of us says stupid things. So um, you can also subscribe to the podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash section 138 pod. Get exclusive access to our Discord, to bloopers that we make throughout the episode, to uh, you can choose the music that we have, that the intro and outro music. Uh, lots of exciting stuff going on there. And then lastly, um, we have live streams, as I mentioned, on the YouTube, but also on our social media at Section138Pod. That's on Instagram and Twitter. So exciting stuff happening there. Exciting weeks for the Blue Jays ahead. Hopefully the hitting keeps going and the bullpen holds up. But until then, we'll catch you next time.